and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. My name is Carla. I have been a dog groomer since 2014. Over time, be it before an exam, at the side of a competition ring or online, I have had many a quiet chat with fellow dog groomers who, like myself, struggle at times to balance life, work and maintaining a healthy well-being. My aim is to talk to both professional dog groomers and mental health professionals to help us understand what triggers stress and anxiety within our industry, why so many of us struggle with our mental health and what we can do to help ourselves. I also want to share stories and handy tips to make life in the salon easier. I am not a professional in mental health and I am not qualified or trained to give advice in this area. I am however interested in mental health and what effects our work can have on our well-being and finding ways to help. So, whether you are a brand new groomer or you have been at it for decades, whether you struggle with your mental health or work with a groomer who does, this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. This week we are talking crafts with Gemma Corcoran. I've known Gemma for around eight years now. She's someone who I've always looked up to for her thirst for showing, her passion for the Bedlington Terrier and her love of the Terrier group. She is also very kind and a supportive friend and she always seems to have the right words to say that make you feel better in a really wise owl caring kind of way. I wanted to talk about crafts with her as I imagine many of the listeners will be going to watch or to show. Some of you may be for the first time. We've learned over time that it's a day that is really worth thinking about before you go. Over the years, I personally have spent too much money because I'm so overexcited about everything and I want to get my hands on all the products that I've found. I've worn the wrong things and had blisters for weeks or ended up carrying things around that I simply didn't need. I've forgotten to book car parking tickets. I've wasted time getting distracted by things when I had things that I needed to get to see and I didn't get a chance to see them. And one year, I even forgot which hotel that I was actually staying in. Today, we wanted to share some of our knowledge of how to do crafts efficiently as a groomer and how to get as much out of your day as you possibly can. I also wanted to talk to Gemma about the judging. Once they've decided that the dog's got good movement, good temperament and it's all healthy, how do they split the hairs between these beautiful dogs in the ring? Gemma has been grooming for around 14 years. She has her OCN, she's been showing for around 8 years and she's owned and worked in various types of salons. She's also dabbled in grooming competitions and has achieved several placements with her Bedlington Terrier. I really hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did and I hope you can take as many nuggets of wisdom as you can from her answers to the final questions. So, here we go. Hi Gemma, welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers. Hi. Can you sort of start by just introducing yourself and how long you've been grooming and just a bit about your grooming career? So, obviously, my name's Gemma. I've been grooming now around about 14 years, I want to say, coming up to. Before that, I was into, like, horses and stuff, and I went and did an animal care course and uh, did a two-weeks work experience at a dog groomers and just fell in love. But at the time, there was no apprenticeship. So I was like handing my CV out to, you know, every dog groomer just trying to get, you know, a foot in the door, you know. Um, and I got taken in by Agnes Steed, gave me um, free work experience. She actually drove me to my first ever interview in a salon. And then over the years, I've, I've made my own business, quite busy uh, salon, a uh, few members of staff. I had that for seven years. And I've decided sort of in the last year or so just to start winding down 
you know my body isn't what it used to be and also you know I've got I've got a real passion for you know terriers and terrier grooming and I kind of want to focus on that you know rather than working just to make money all the time you know I want to do what I really enjoy basically yeah why not it's really nice to have something niche that you can say right I want to do this this is what I want to focus on and I mean I think that's perfect if you really enjoy doing a certain group then why not concentrate on that I started doing grooming competitions and uh, didn't have the you know the time with the salon and stuff but you know I want to be able to you know like dedicate more time to that because it's hard when you're running a business you know with like quite a lot of members of staff and constantly go 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 you know yeah. to actually you know I don't know how people like manage to do it with everything else and no. then a show as well I find one to one for me is just the way forward. Too much yeah. stuff going on. It's too too hectic, too tiring, too uh yeah, nice nice to be one to one and sort of handpicking what you're doing as well, which is great. So looking forward, we've got Crufts just around the corner, which is great. Yes. Um, <laughs> I know I'm so excited. It's like it's Christmas for groomers, isn't Christmas, it? Christmas, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I thought we could help tackle planning a day and letting people know what to expect if they haven't been before or if they just want to do crafts a bit more efficiently, we can kind of help them out. So if people are planning to go like as a spectator, what sorts of things do we need to think about before we go to crafts? One of the main things that I always say is, you know, comfort is paramount. It's, it's not a fashion show. I don't know what it is about the halls, but I always say wear layers because you can go into one hall and it can be like the Bahamas. Yeah. And then you can go into another and it's like the Arctic. Um, <laughs> you know, I used to take my staff every year. I closed the salon and we'd go shopping and we made a few days of it. We'd, we'd get a hotel in Birmingham. So it means as well, if you end up going and buying a load of stuff, you know, you're not lugging it back on a train the same day. And the transport links are really good from the NEC to a lot of the hotels like there's so many hotels in Birmingham yeah. that are really cheap as well yeah there are quite a range aren't there I mean it's, yeah. it is usually good to do it right ahead so people might yeah. be sort of scouring for last hotels at the moment but yeah definitely, I, I remember when I first started going to crafts so I used to go to crafts and then book my hotel for the next year as soon as I got home yeah because then I knew that I've got the one right close that I wanted this is the first year that actually I'm going and I've not got a hotel I'm not taking the dogs the night before which we're just going to drive down because I've got a puppy well she's not a puppy but she's it's her first cross I don't really want to throw you know an overnight in a hotel on top of what's going to be mm -hmm. a really big day but planning ahead obviously if you're taking the dogs is really important one thing if you go and shopping I don't know if many people know this but if you go on the I think it's the kind of club website let me just double check you can mm -hmm. actually see every single vendor yeah so I looked so on the day and they've not put it up yet but it says mm -hmm. coming soon so you keep checking in yeah checking in there you lose you can lose time so easily in there mm -hmm. and if you're only going for say one day you have to kind of be you know quite practical so what I do is I plan it hall by hall um so I could hit every shop that I wanted to because I think one of our biggest issues you know in the industry is a lot of us we we order our products online we don't get to see them in person you know there's not yeah. really many dog grooming shops so I do a lot of my bigger shopping or you know sort of scoping out you know say some a new piece of equipment at Crufts because I can have it in hand yeah so then I have to obviously plan 
you know meticulously so because it's so easy to just end up like in a circle going around hall three <laughs> yeah that is and I was sort of thinking about that one of the things I was thinking about planning was planning a budget of what your maximum spend amount is because when you get there it's so easy just to be like oh I'll just get one of them I'll just get one of them well, that's on offer. I'll get a couple of them. And then before you know it, it's like, oh, look at the receipt. Look at my, look at my bank account. When I ran the business, I used to, I'd take my business card for obviously hospitality entertaining, you know, for the staff and stuff, you know, buying them drinks in the evening and meals. But in the day, I used to actually withdraw cash and do receipts so that I could plan. I knew exactly where the money was going because it is easy, that's you know. It. A lot of people do have, you know, there are, you know, there's deals on or you get, you know, you see a new shampoo or, you know, a new pair of clippers and, you know, before you know it. And it's right before the end of tax year as well. So if you have got a bit of money left over, it's, you know, it's nice to go and, you know, treat yourself. I remember one year I, I went to Simpsons and, you know, the wide blades had just come out. Yeah. And I bought two sets for myself and two sets for my groomers. But, you know, I didn't I didn't want to go and buy that online. You know, Royal Mail don't exactly look after their uh, their packages. And I could see them in hand. I could speak to the people on the stand. Like Mandy Carr, there's uh, a boutique. You know, yeah. she, she's literally, she's kept me grooming because my hands are a mess. And, yeah, you know. She's really good at trying to sort out what you need for what yeah. job. What and I have you? I have so much respect for her because, you know, I remember, you know, I think one of my groomers had picked up a pair of scissors that she'd seen somebody that was winning competitions using. And they were like, I think they were like 200 odd quid. And Mandy was like, you know, they won't be suitable for you. Like she doesn't, she could have made an easy sale, you know, and made money, you know, but she sold her a pair that was suitable for her that were cheaper. But, you know, yeah. if you're not going to grooming competitions and stuff like that, that's, you know, where Crufts sort of, you can get in there and, you know, feel scissors and things like big purchases, like hydro baths and stuff like that. Yeah. Being able to actually speak to the people that make it before you invest two, three grand, you that's know, you it. can't beat it. Yeah, you can ask a few questions and then if you want, walk off for a couple of hours, have a coffee, think about it, go back. It's really funny that you've mentioned Mandy and Simpsons because the Scissor Boutique and the Simpsons are both in Hall 5, right opposite each other at the bottom of the staircase, <laughs> aren't they? So, Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's an area of the Hall 5 that I'm going to be lingering around a lot over the day. <laughs> so um, what's on your shopping list? Have you got anything on your shopping list this year? To be fair... There isn't a great deal. Keeping it small this year. I'm going to be good for a change. I use a lot of Chris Christensen shampoo, so I tend to buy that at shows. Because, you know, delivery is ridiculous. But I really wanted to check out this. Is it the Pordinary shampoo? That's from the new ones, isn't it? Yeah, I really wanted to check it out, only because um, I'd seen Paula Bishop had been using it on her Bedlington. Mm -hmm. And my newest uh, Bedlington has got, you know, a coat that I've never owned before so I'm just trying I'm playing around at the moment trying to find the right shampoo that'll suit her well, Crafts is definitely the place to go for a hundred shampoo <laughs> and also I'm a big one for like you know being able to smell things because like I know you know smell isn't the main thing but no. I'm quite a sensory person so if I'm using a shampoo it doesn't matter how good it is if I can't stand the smell mm. my dog's gonna be walking around the house stinking of it <laughs> so I get to smell it in, in advance but for, I am on the market for a new pair of clippers as well yeah. because I've had a lot of issues with trying to find clippers that are quite lightweight because of my wrists but yeah. also don't vibrate 
So I found a lot of the cordless ones, the battery makes it like it's almost unbalanced, like it's heavy on one end. So I'm definitely going to go and have a feel of some clippers. (laughs) So what about dogs? What are you hoping to see this year? Is there any dogs that you're hoping to go and actually watch while you're there? Well, of course, well, around showing, um, I usually also show Manchester Terriers. I'm not taking my Manchester this year, but I will be going mm-hmm. to the Manchester ringside, obviously, yeah. to see everyone. Um, it's actually my fiance's. He he went to cross with me last year, um, but he didn't actually get a chance to see anything. <laughs> so he yeah, um, showing two breeds is probably quite a lot last year. Oh, last last year was oh, it was nuts. So and he's expressed some interest in potentially one day another terrier breed which I'm not encouraging him at all (laughs) but you know so for him it's a learning experience but as well like I I really want to show him you know like some of the agility and stuff because that's like a bit more exciting isn't it so yeah I'm just going to try and hit hit a bit of everything really great no that's brilliant so how do people find what breeds are where because Crofts is massive it's all split up Mm -hmm. the shopping what's the best way to like figure out where you're going so if you're a visitor, obviously, you know, I'll say you've got Breeds of the World, um, which covers, you know, every single breed. And I like going every single year because being able to see, you know, like really good examples um, and speak to, you know, yeah. breeders, um, you know, that really know what they're doing. Um, yeah, over at the Discover Dogs area, isn't it? Yeah, Is what... I thought it was Breeds of the World. I but... feel like I recognise that. But if you are the general public and you're looking, yeah. you know, for, say, you're you know want to go and see a specific breed it's really good if you go on um fossey data systems f-o-double-s-e data systems on the internet uh you can actually go on cross 2024 and open up the schedule i can put that link in the show notes as well yeah. and um obviously i mean it's got you know loads of adverts and stuff like that but you know so you've got for example your provisional order of judging so day ones your utility and toy groups and then it's got, you know, every single breed, what hall, what ring it's in, you know, so oh. that's really good. One thing that I do say for the general public, you know, it's, it's, it is great. And, you know, I love educating on my breed. I could talk about my breeds all bloody day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but sometimes it is being able to approach like, you know, an exhibitor when they're not busy. Because I've I've seen, you know, feedback from the general public, you know, where there's a bit of a sort of stigma that people who show dogs are snoozy or, you know, whatever. And I think sometimes you can come across a little bit short because you're stressed and you need to get to, you know, into a class or whatever. I mean, I can't speak for all the show well, but the vast majority, if you get them sort of in between, because there's a lot sitting around at shows, you know, they will, you know, they will talk your head off about, you know, their breed. Thing and it's, would... it's always better after they've been in the ring instead of before they've been in the ring. <laughs> Especially if you've got like a Bichon, because if you, you know, most people do not want their Bichon touching before they've gone in the ring. <laughs> Um, you know, one year at Crafts, I saw this guy with a white standard poodle and this kid ran up to the standard poodle who had just been sprayed up, who's literally standing oh. there ready to go to the ring. And this kid straight on the top knot with his hands and literally ruffled its coat. I said, mummy, mummy, look at the poodle. And the bloke, I don't know how he held it together because this dog looks beautiful and the kid just absolutely be like you know what it feels like that I mean that's the other thing that I also say to the general especially if you've got kids you know the sort of you know the um the discover dogs area the dogs that are in those areas they specifically select dogs that are you know 
pretty, you know, even tempered, laid back, used to, do you know what I mean, being handled. I, you know, my dogs are, to be fair, my dogs are pretty chilled out. Yeah. But the dogs that are, you know, showing and stuff, you know, I have had it in the past, you know, where the general public have like reached out and, you know, touched my dog as I've been like walking through, you know, a hall or whatever. And mm. obviously if the dog doesn't see it coming and a hand just reaches out, you know, it makes them jump. So, you know, it's, yeah. it is really important, especially if you go around the exhibitors just to ask before you touch any dog. Because some of the dogs, you know, it's a pretty, it's a it's a big environment for them. And and some, some some just aren't used to kids, are they? Or yeah. strangers for that matter. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, my, my youngster would probably mow a toddler down like she... <laughs> like with love but but as i say the discover dogs the dogs that they do have in the pens and stuff you know they they do really you know focus on you know a dog that you know has got a pretty you know good temperament i i find that that's one thing that i find very difficult you know if i need to walk through a hall with my dog having quite a, a game terrier like my manchester you know if the as i say if there is like a little kid just sticking the hand out of nowhere she's going to spin straight away and be like what the hell's going on but as I say, but that's why I discover dogs is, you know, your best place. You know, if you want to get your cuddles, like I've had so many pictures with like different breeds that I've wanted yeah. from discover dogs. <laughs> you know, the most unique looking dog. That's yeah. The dog you want the selfie with, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and oh. so when the dogs are actually in the ring, yeah. for people who don't really know a lot about showing, what is the judge actually looking for? Because these dogs all look beautiful. What's the, what's the difference? So they're judging to the breed standard. The breed standard, it's for obviously set out for each breed and it's what you should be aiming towards. It's sort of like the perfect example of mm -hmm. that breed of dog. The main things that they're looking for, obviously health is such a big thing. They check their teeth, you know, eyes. They are looking for, for movement, soundness, temperament. There's been a lot of issues, especially in the terrier breeds, of where people have been working really hard to, you know, improve the temperaments of, you know, terriers being approached by people who they don't know judges and stuff and i think it goes the same for some of the working breeds basically a show dog is what you're doing is that sort of like your shop front for your breed and stock so you know they're judging they're not just judging it you know on what's the prettiest dog they're looking at you know what dog you know is that dog suitable to standard and how is that going to influence future generations of that yeah. breed? Each judge has kind of got their own sort of, how do I put it? Their, um... Like their preferences. Yeah, yeah. So like one judge might like where the ears are set above yeah. where the tail set. There's different things. You really want to tick as many boxes as you possibly can. Yeah. Obviously, I suppose because no dog can tick every box. The boxes yeah. that aren't picked really come down to what the judge prefers to see yeah. in the breed. Oh, oh, definitely. So, you know, you might have, you know, every dog's got a fault and you might have, you know, a, you know, a slight fault in one dog that, you know, maybe doesn't bother a judge as much. Or you might have, you know, that that could be their, you know, complete, you know, their bugbear you know and or you could have two dogs that you know it's really close between them and you know one's you know maybe just got a slightly better coat or you know one's yeah. you know maybe got you know a little stronger ear set and that can be sort of your your division so i suppose from from that sort of description of how they judge that really explains us why you don't see as many faults in showing dogs as you do in the salon dogs because in yeah. the salon you're seeing dippy backs you're seeing bowed mm -hmm. legs you're seeing wonky ears yeah. and I suppose with the show ring the difference is that they're actually breeding like you say to that standard that says mm -hmm. the legs should be straight the back should mm -hmm. be level the all these sorts of things it, it kind of you can immediately see that the dog's yeah 
are beautifully bred, aren't they? Yeah, oh God, yeah. I mean, I always say at the end of the day, you know, somebody who, you know, shows a dog, I'm planning to breed a litter soon. Say I have six puppies, guarantee the likelihood is four or five of them are probably going to go to pet homes. There's just, there's not a lot of people that show and you only, I'll say you only want the best of the best. But the thing is, those pet home dogs, whilst they, you know, maybe they've got one or two things that, you know, maybe doesn't make that perfect standard. The time and the thought and process that's gone into that choosing the right male to complement the the female. For me, temperament is always my biggest, my first thing. Yeah, temperament. Also, consistency with your breed. And you, you know, you know, when I first started in Manchester's, I remember going and watching some classes and I was sort of making note of which ones I liked. And then I looked back in the catalogue and they were bred by my Manchester Terrier's breeder. So you're trying to create, you know what I mean? That consistency, you know, you're improving, but, you know, you've got a good sort of base standard. Whereas when you get dogs that are, you know, a bit cow-hocked and a bit not the not the best shape. Yeah, <laughs> I tend to find it's, you know, a lot of people who have gone, oh, you know, I've got a pet dog and, you know, I want us to have a litter. They've just sort of, stuck two dogs together because at the end of the day you can have two great show dogs that are both you know top champions and put them together and they could bring out the worst in each other what you're saying with the pet dogs is like you've got you own fluffy and -and so-and-so owns fido next door and they're both i don't know the same or different breeds doesn't really seem to matter you just put them together and there's no real thought pattern behind the mating is there if you know what i mean in that respect whereas the hours sat at the side of the show ring, like inspecting every, t- you know, tiny detail that of a dog that yeah. you think might bring something to your line that you want. Mm. There's a hell of a lot of work gone into making them dogs the way there are, isn't there? Yeah. But, and then this is it. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, even if you do that match and it doesn't turn out what you want because, you know, you can't predict genetics, you're also, you're, you're breeding a sound set of puppies, you know, because as I say, the vast majority of a show litter will go on to pet homes. You know, it's rare yeah. that every single puppy will go and show. When my first Bedlington, he won his classic Crofts, and I had a lot of people, um, pet people, approach me about using information, you know, and I could I could have made a load of money. But for me personally, I know where his faults are. And he's a great dog. I love him to pieces, obviously. And they're faults that I wouldn't want to put into the gene pool. Responsible with it in a yeah. good breeder, sign of a good breeder, that. Looking at the show ring and, well, anything to do with crafts, really, I suppose. Like, what are the main things you think people can sort of learn as such? There's a, one of the things that I found really helpful because, and I don't know about you, but I'm not very good technically and the no. the way of the world, everything's mm-hmm. on the internet now and it's all automated, you know, message and stuff. One of yeah. the things that I love about Crufts is being able to approach, you know, say companies like feed manufacturers oh, yeah. because it is so easy you know there's so many different food products out there and it's so easy you know to just get lost in the internet and you know not get the answers that you need being able to you know and a lot of them do you know they hand out free samples and stuff like that but being able to access that 
information from people who actually know what they're talking about that for me is like invaluable and it's one of the few places in the UK and especially for you you know your sort of general public and stuff who's got Fido and maybe confused about you know what to feed them or how much to feed them you know information that is provided and it's the same with as I say with like discover dogs and stuff each breed people that are you know at each stand they're promoting where the current issues are with the you know the breed and so you know like your bulldogs and stuff you know they've got their issues yeah. you know brax phallic and so they're really pushing the letter home to the general public you know about what to look out if you're getting right. a puppy what tests should you look to have done i know like the bedlington there's the um the comedy oh. one for the copper toxicosis oh, yeah. and i know a lot of people you know that have just gone out and you know bought a pet bedlington and not known about it you know that that's right. even a, a thing but as i say the information that's on offer and the ability to you know increase your knowledge both sort of from a shop and a retail point of view but got people on hand who really know what they're talking about on the grooming stands and stuff even there's you know the training colleges and stuff for dog grooms there's usually quite a few of them there north railways there aren't they yeah yeah definitely okay Um, so loads of information about across for people so yeah (laughs) moving on to the um the industry Mm -hmm. what are you looking forward to this year the most whether it's showing grooming home life literally anything well i've been God, we've been we've been playing a lot of catch up to be honest. Obviously, I've I've had a lot of changes happen in my life over the last year. I'm quite excited. We're hoping to breed our first litter from the Manchester. Brilliant. Which I'm really excited about. Very nervous that I won't want to sell any of the puppies. <laughs> and I'll just end up <laughs> with more dogs. Looking forward as well to, you know, putting a bit more, you know, obviously I didn't get my youngest Bedlington out a great deal last year. So being able to, you know, spend some more time and really bring her on. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Hoping to move house as well. So that should be fun. Make yeah. some more space for the doggies. Loads of exciting things going on. Yeah. It's always good looking forward to a new season of shows, isn't it? Because it's like, oh, fresh yeah. start out there so i'd like to start touching back into the grooming world as well i kind of like i want to try and find you know like a seminar or something to go to well i don't think i'm quite ready to enter a grooming competition yet because i haven't got very well my current bedlington isn't really well behaved enough on the table yet <laughs> we need to do a little bit more managed training but i would like to really get back into that as well lovely yeah. Well, it's always nice to have you because we I remember when I very first met you in real life, didn't I? And we both stood <laughs> in life. line together. We both had our, our like arms right close to our bodies, both sort of looking around like, I don't really know what I'm doing here. Don't really know why I'm here. I don't, I don't really know if this was a good idea. And we sort of both looked at each other and I was like, hiya. And he was like, hiya. And I was like, are you nervous as well? And he was like, yeah, are you? And I was like, yep. <laughs> I, do you know what? I was so intimidated by you when I first like, because oh, like, I'd, I'd seen you online and I was like oh my god like she like she gets to do like all these exciting breeds and like she's always like really active on social media and she knows loads and like just you oh, know sort no. of... I was like oh it's that Gemma girl she's always on Facebook she's really good at Bedlington so I don't know if I should talk to her no I was like it's literally like <laughs> little bit and I'm not saying starstruck but I was like oh my god like this is like this this is the Carla <laughs> <laughs> we're like two peas in a pod aren't we yesterday yeah. we'll worry about everything what was you proud of last year last year I think my I was most proud of baby 12 which is my youngest Bedlington she 
I think she, God, she was pretty young. She was pretty much just gone six months and we took her to her first show, which was Bath. Mm-hmm. Hired an Airbnb, went down for the weekend. It's actually really nice. We had a hot tub. It was, oh, it was lush. Um, and she went and got her first in mind, a puppy, straight off the bat, qualified for Crufts, took it all in her stride. Yeah. I'd probably say that was one of my proudest moments for okay. her. And there's been a lot of, like, for me, like, probably not, like, big, you know, proud moments and achievements, but, like, personal growth in the last year, you know, really sort of deciding, you know, what what makes me happy and working on, you know, sort of watering my own my own little, you know, flower bed and helping myself grow. Yeah. It's, it's so easy to just constantly be competitive. And I am quite a competitive person, but it really, you know, taking that time out to really sit back and ask myself what I wanted rather than just constantly go, go, go. Like that that self-growth, I think, was really important. Proud of yeah. myself for that. And I think that is way more important than, like, any ribbon. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you, you can achieve all you need to achieve in life, but to know what makes you happy and to start working towards that or start mm. making small changes absolutely bloody huge so no you should definitely be very proud of that um I'm proud of <laughs> well yeah I mean I was constantly sort of on the go 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 and you know keep on succeeding keep on pushing where's the next goal and I never actually you know sort of took a step back and was like wow you know look at what I have achieved and enjoyed it <laughs> and I got to the stage where I started questioning you know am I doing this for myself or am I doing it to sort of try and impress other people? You know, at, at what point, you know, am I going to be sort of like happy and yeah. satisfied with where I'm at? That was like a really big sort of like awakening for me, if you will, because life that, goes so fast. It does. It so does. Yeah, I've noticed that so much in the last couple of years. I think when when you're younger and adults say, oh, time speeds up as you get older. You think, what? how does that work? What's that yeah. all about? And now I'm like 37. I know it's not old, old, but it's not young, young either. Do you know what I mean? I'm in that yeah. middle ground. Like, shit, the time's speeding up. <laughs> I was so, like, focused. And I realised that, like, I was I was never living in the moment. And it was making me miserable because I was constantly had the anxiety because I was like, oh, God, you know, I've, I've got to achieve this, you know, like I've got this far, I've got to keep going. You know, I never actually took a step back and was like, you know, am I actually happy? Yeah. <laughs> and, and um, would you, you know, say that that's like the biggest like thing with groomers? Because a lot of us groomers are like that. Would you say that's like the biggest thing with groomers and mental health? Or do you think there's like something else? I think that we as people generally, so... When I did dancing growing up and stuff, you know, being able to, you know, look back at your performance and go, okay, you know, this was good. This is what I want to improve on. That's what sets you apart. And being able to look at your groom and go, you know, this X, Y, or Z is what I want to improve on. But I tend to find, especially when you see all of these, you know, big, amazing grooms, you know, on Facebook and stuff, and you've got sort of your your pet end shih tzu that's matted in your salon. It's so easy to get beaten up. And I had to really, for me, I really had to take a step back and be like, like retrain my mind almost. So I'd look at my grooms and I'd be like, okay, right, pick one thing that you're happy with. Yeah. Um, it's so easy to just get into that negative, you know, everything's rubbish and get overwhelmed. But, you know, if you break it down and I take like one thing, so I'd be like, okay, this month I really want to make, make my beard softer and rounder. And, you know, I'm going to focus on that. 
rather than just going, you know, oh, everything's rubbish and, you know, I'm rubbish. And, you know, it's it's a very sort of, it's so easy to burn out. And I, I used to really, I thought that I was like the worst groomer in the world. It's so easy to do. I think so many people do it. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I thought when I started this podcast, it'd be good because people, it's easy to think you're the only one that thinks like that. When actually yeah. I think the majority of people do have times when they feel like that. And yet everyone still puts all their best things on Facebook. And it's all it's all Facebook land, isn't it? Whether it's the best oh, days, yeah. the best makeup, the best dog room. You don't, you know, if you're like, say you're proud of your work. Like I'm now like, you know, I don't think I'm the best groomer in the world, but I'm I'm confident in my ability. I'm proud of, you know, I can market myself and I can sell myself. I don't know if this is me personally, but you don't want to come across like you're cocky. And I know that, you know, you never stop learning. But I've also, I've worked really hard to teach myself to give yourself a pat on the back because, you know, be proud of where you've come from. You know, I mean, I I put a post up the other week of like some of my bed living rooms from like 2015. And um, a few years ago, I would have never done that because I was like, oh my God, you know, like, oh, my grooms were really bad then, you know, but. I want, you know, people to, you know, see that everyone's on a journey. I think it's so hard to celebrate, you know, when you are proud of something because, you know, you're constantly like, oh, but there's someone out there that's better than me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then and you're that's like, oh. where social media lets us down because yeah. if we hadn't seen them pictures on Facebook, we'd still be happy with what we'd done yeah. on the table that day. And half of the time, that person that's got, you know, that dog, that beautiful groom on Facebook, chances are the dog's probably got an amazing coat to start with. You can make your grooming job a whole lot easier if you've got the right coat to work with to start with. Yeah, it's got a great coat. They've spent maybe three hours on it. They've had a quiet afternoon that day and had time to have a play about. They might have been practicing that breed for the last decade. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's so many variables in there that don't get thought about. And it's really important, like you said yourself, that you feel like it sometimes. I feel like it sometimes. Yeah. Most people probably who put anything on Facebook do, but we still don't put our crap grooms up on Facebook. We put our good ones on and then it just yeah. carries on and on and on, doesn't it? Yeah. So. I know, you know, and it, again, it goes back to good as good enough. You know, at the end of the day, you know, at some point you've got to go, Joe, what I've done well, you know, this is what I've done well on. It's, it's being less harsh on yourself and more constructive, you know, like a good teacher yeah is going to give you your tips for improvement but they're also you know like a compliment sandwich they're going to tell you what you've done well so even if you've got a dog that has thrown itself all over the place for the whole groom and the groom looks a mess give yourself a pat on the back for you know getting through the groom you know people are so hard on themselves and it's so easy to be quite a toxic atmosphere in this industry and I think any animal industry I think you do get it because most of the time it's because everyone just wants to be accepted more than anything I think a lot of us choose to work with animals because you know we don't particularly like humans there does seem to be quite a high level of anxiety neurodiversion you know I'm not speaking for everyone you know some people are just like to work with dogs you are right though there is a lot of it in our industry and I think it might not be so much that we don't like humans but we maybe don't feel accepted by humans whereas yeah. the dogs don't judge you you don't get any judgment from dogs do you they're just you act they respond that's what it is and think- sometimes as well it's the it's the <laughs> lack of confidence in yourself you know rather than like worrying so much what other people are going to think it's because like you don't have the confidence in your own work 
and a lot of people I think that work yeah. from home and stuff having that constructive criticism you know it's just it's hard to get and you know and it comes face, back to the internet sort of... the written word comes across horribly at times you know yeah exactly, yeah yeah but, and it comes back to just feeling a bit stuck doesn't it keeping yeah. things moving what would you like to see change in our industry I think that there's definitely like people are making like a lot of steps forward you know I think that communication's a lot better than it used to be it's really hard to answer because we we have really come quite far, I think, recently. That's good. That's a good answer. If, if yeah. there's a bunch of things on things that you want to change, and it shows we're in a good place. So that's really I'd good. Really, one, I'd like to see staff and people who work within the industry. One thing that I've really noticed, I think you've probably seen it as well, is that a lot of people now, I really struggled to get a dog groomer. Really, really struggled to employ one. I just go like, could not get one um for the life of me they just employable dog groomers just don't seem to exist anymore and you know renting a table is becoming bigger and bigger you know I'm really interested to see sort of like where the industry is heading with that over the next couple of years yeah Yeah. and so the last question I want to ask you is do you ever struggle to sleep and if you do what do you do to help so I'll be honest at the moment my sleep pattern is absolutely it's a mess because my fiance works shifts okay and so when he works nights I I hate doing like work around the house because I'm like really scared I'm gonna wake him up and I'm quite an anxious person anyway and I've I mean I've kind of like this is gonna sound really nuts um I feel like my house is a bit haunted so when he's at work oh. on nights yeah I know we've saged it and everything I charge crystals I, I <laughs> there's there's something not nice in this house it's why we're selling it yeah and it's it's the atmosphere is heavy so when he's on nights like I just can't sleep so between obviously like me not wanting to wake him up in the day I end up adjusting like my sleep pattern I did find I kind of find when I'm really anxious I I go on like a proper go-go mode um and it's like nervous energy and I don't need a lot of sleep it's probably gonna sound like I'm having a manic episode but mm-hmm. it, it's usually because I've like I'm anxious there's so much on my mind so I can't sleep yeah. or I go the other way when I get really overwhelmed and I just need to sleep all the time let myself have naps this is gonna sound really weird um, has helped me a lot like with being diagnosed as autistic and realizing that there are situations that can be overwhelming for me and can leave me sort of in a deficit you know for example like this this dog show that I've been to today and stuff you know I now know that I need to self-care for myself so when I first got home I was like you know what I'm just gonna let myself have a nap yeah if if it's what you need to feel good and to feel the perfect and that's what you need to do and yeah I think napping's a really good advice I mean I'm I'm awful at it I can't I can barely sit down let alone nap but Gary naps all the time and with with my ex he was he was really like regimented you know so like I never laid in so four and a half years of having a really like you know like pre-scheduled sleep pattern Mm -hmm. and for me personally it was actually like I never felt like I'd had enough sleep even though like I was having like sort of a solid eight you know nine hours or whatever I think for me and this is probably like goes against what like all the doctors say because they all say have a regular sleeping pattern. But I just mm-hmm. have periods, you know, 
where you know I need more sleep or I need less sleep and I think a lot of yeah. it goes on sort of how overwhelmed I am and I if do. that works for you that's great I was gonna say following your natural pattern seems right then because you yeah can check on yourself that way you're topping up the levels when you need it yeah nothing- yeah if I get to the point of burnout I can literally sleep anywhere <laughs> I'm quite lucky like that but um I do find you know if I've got something on my mind the worst thing is like lying in bed and just thinking non-stop I usually have the t- I actually fall asleep with the TV on, which is probably really bad or a podcast yeah, or something people, like that. Yeah, I know plenty of people that do that. I'm, uh, yeah, I can't just lay there not sleeping because the mind just starts then and then that's it. Yeah. It's like, whoa, spiral, yeah. spiral, spiral. And I think it's really, it's really easy to sort of you know psych yourself out. You know, when you are like in the middle of the night because you know that the. the, the the night times, you know, that time that you know, Facebook isn't live or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's two o'clock in the morning and you can't sleep. So that's why, you know, I started putting TV on or whatever or podcast and then trying to focus on that and then just naturally dropping off. Because as I say, like, if you're just sat there awake, then it's so easy to spiral, especially if you've got quite yeah. a high sort of function of mind, you know, or whatever, like my, like I can take myself down some rabbit holes. So <laughs> I have to sort of be like, okay, We've had a little sit and, a, you know, feel sorry for ourselves and a little, you know, stress out. Let's now park that subject and yeah. turn our mind. And it's really hard to do that. That's yeah. I'm still working on it, but I suppose it's like mindfulness, isn't it? And Like you say, at least you're getting up and doing something about it and trying to, trying to change your frame of mind by putting something else on or distracting yourself as such yeah. as until like you say you naturally fall asleep and then yeah you know, but, it's, well, but that's the thing as well it's allowing yourself because some people are like you know oh I don't want to spiral so then they're like I'm just not going to think about it at all like no like allow yourself to sit like have have a worry mm-hmm. that's that's only human don't bottle it up but get in control of that emotion more than anything and not letting the anxiety control you gotta let it out and allow yourself to feel things and stuff you know like I have days where I'm like oh I feel sorry for myself oh it's Mm. life not fair and then I can assure you yeah we definitely all have them and don't feel bad for having them but it's being able to not let that to then take over being able to then rationally sort of step in and be like okay let's now move on and that like I'm not I say that like it's the easiest thing in the world to do and it's not like I'm still working on it's taken me years but I almost sort of speak to myself like this could sound nuts well it's like reparenting yourself like I sort of I'm like right okay Gemma you know you've now done this so now we're going to do this and if obviously like if if stuff's coming out you know let it out write it down just don't sit with it stuck in your head you know if I'm struggling even like closest people I find it hard to even form the word it's all there in my head but I just can't get it out and sometimes you know whether it's you know writing or you know going for a dog walk sometimes I'll listen to you know a a song and you know the like lyrics will resonate with me you know Mm. just just being able to like sort of open that sort of um you know bottle of pop of emotion but being able to close it as well yeah yeah oh thank you so much for coming and talk to us Gemma no worries at all sorry for the therapy at the end (laughs) No, it's, that's what we're here for. And if it works for you and that's how you work, you know, that I think it's great because when I have been to have help myself, 
sometimes they do say to me like you have to talk to your like inner child as such because you do have to look after yourself at the end of the day you are looking after you nobody else can look after you you're the only person that can so when you can see yourself and see the signs and you can step in and have a word as such with yourself yeah then that makes a lot of sense to me and it's a really good sign that you can do that and that you're you've got the awareness and you know how to handle yourself better than anyone else don't you sometimes you need to be soft and gentle sometimes you need yeah. to put yourself together but it, yeah whatever it is you need you're the only person who knows that aren't you what do I need oh god yeah like it is being kind <laughs> to yourself but you know it's at the same time I think it's it's so easy to get into that sort of cycle and then like have that almost like victim complex like you need to be that you know survivor you know it's one thing that I've really learned about myself you know and I used to like run to anybody you know because I you know I wanted support and I didn't want to be on my own and I didn't think I could cope but learning to rely on myself mm-hmm. you know from a mental point of view and sort of advocating for yourself oh god yeah and it's really difficult to do like I say like I'm saying this now and people are probably like gosh you know chef only it was that easy like it is hard and like you know anybody else and obviously you know reaching out is you know really important and stuff but you're with you 24 7 and creating a better relationship and a better sort of attitude towards yourself as a person like you know looking out for yourself and I suppose it's like the inner child thing you were saying no matter what happens in your life you know you you know partner can leave you or someone could die or anything like that you always have you and creating a strong relationship with your own personal self I think is and I as say I used to cringe and be like what load of rubbish Mm. But I've really got it over the last year or so because, you know, That's no matter what. Yeah. And like I've I've fallen, you know, and struggled. But because I have myself, I know that, you know, it's it's me that's gonna save me. Yeah. You can say that to people and I think they just it, until like it clicks, like it was like a light bulb moment for me one day. Because everyone's at a different point in their journey and all of that. Yeah. Um, and we're all on it and but loving yourself is one of the biggest things and it's one of of the biggest things we don't do enough in this industry definitely and what a brilliant place to end on so (laughs) thank you so much Gemma that was a lovely interview oh thank you for having me what a brilliant interview Gemma gave me the final part of the interview really captured everything this podcast represents so thank you again Gemma She also gave us so much information on crafts. I have included all of the links to all of the pages on the crafts website, Foss Data website, and I've added as many of the grooming trade stands as I can possibly think of, along with their hall numbers and their stand numbers, so you can write them down and find them as easily as possible on the day. Also, definitely book your crafts entry tickets ahead to avoid disappointment, as I know last year some of the weekend tickets sold out completely. I've put all of this in the show notes. Next week, I'm talking to Ed Henley, a vet from Devon, who will be talking to us about some of the long-term conditions that our customers face, such as Addison's, Cushing's, heart disease, skin problems, and he's going to answer some of the listener questions that you've been putting on the Facebook page. But for now, thanks for listening. Get booking your crafts tickets, and when it comes to the day, have an awesome time. Thanks for listening. Cheerio!